The Start On Demand. On demand. Is it time to ban protests and celebrations at Portage and Maine? We ask the question after the latest protest to throw downtown Winnipeg into gridlock. The breathalyzer controversy continues to swirl, and Winnipeg police have reacted to the outcry. Mackling got to chat with Mike Holmes Jr. at the RBC Convention Centre for the Winnipeg Renovation Show. And a woman caught on camera dipping her chicken fingers in her Coke has us wondering about the weird things we like to eat. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the podcast for The Start. We begin this half hour, Loren, we start with a revisit of the whole breathalyzer controversy. Yeah, we want to revisit a story that had many of you questioning yesterday whether police powers have gone too far. It involves changes to impaired driving laws. Not just the fact the police can now demand a breath sample at the side of the road, whether you exhibit any signs of impairment or not, but the fact lawyers say they can also ask for you to take a breathalyzer at a bar or even after you've been dri- drinking, like, or and dr- after you've been driving, like when you get home. This was part of our conversation with Toronto defense lawyer Joseph Newberger yesterday. So imagine a scenario where somebody is driving home, and for whatever reason, maybe they're on their cell phone or they dropped something on the floor and they went to reach it, and it looks like they're impaired, and some civilian phones in the vehicle with the license plate and says, I believe this person's an impaired driver. They pull up into their driveway. The individual goes into their house, turns on uh, the Winnipeg Jets, and cracks open some beers. And then about 45 minutes to an hour later, there's a knock at the door of a police officer. Hi, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. We've got a report of uh, you driving erratically. We want you to provide a roadside sample. And you're not even in the car. You're in your house. And so, yes, theoretically, if you're in your house or bar, and somebody has detected or if an officer has detected you were driving in an aberrant manner, you could be on dry ground, not in your car, and be required to provide a sample. And then if you are over 80 uh, and you are charged with an offense, then you will bear an onus to establish that at the time you were actually driving, you are not impaired. So you are not over the legal limit, which is a reverse onus provision, which to me is unconstitutional and highly draconian. We talked about this at length yesterday, but how we feel about it and whether it's kind of a overstepping of police powers or infringing your civil liberties. And so after the show, I uh, spent a few hours going back and forth with Winnipeg police and lawyers on just what this means. And the surprise to me, at least, was the fact that Winnipeg police say in the course of an impaired driving investigation, they've always been able to ask for a breathalyzer even at your doorstep. Whether it's mandatory or not is another question. For example, if you ditch your car, leave it, and police spot it and suspect drunk driving and then come to your door, they can ask you to take a breathalyzer. In fact, Constable Stephen Fontaine, who is the Impaired Driving Countermeasures Coordinator, says they have the right to take that breathalyzer or at least ask for it up to three hours after you may have been in your car. He says what happens at your doorstep compared to what happens on the road now are different. If you're pulled over on the side of the road now, they now have the right under this new legislation to demand you take a breathalyzer, whether they suspect impairment or not. If they show up at your doorstep, Constable Fontaine says they have to meet a certain criteria to ask 
for that breathalyzer. So in theory, in theory, if you appear sober and show no signs of drinking, then they won't ask for a breathalyzer. But what if you did come home, Greg, and you had a few drinks after you got home and that mm-hmm. is legit? What happens then? Well, police say too often in court when they took a breathalyzer at the door, the accused would say they only blew over because they started drinking after they got home. It was used as an excuse or a a way to get out and a lie as far as police were concerned sometimes. And so Constable Fontaine says changes to the law will make it more difficult to make that excuse. In the event that um, you begin consuming alcohol after the fact uh, that a person won't be charged with the offense of driving over uh, if there was no reasonable expectation that they were to uh, ultimately have to provide a breath sample. And and in addition to that, uh, that the consumption of alcohol and the ultimate breath test results uh, are consistent with each other. Uh, for example, if the breath test results uh, are like twice the limit uh, and the suspect admitted to drinking three beers after the fact, uh, well, we know that that's not consistent. Uh, three beers won't get you at twice the limit. So uh, if that's the case, then the breath test results uh, are indeed admissible and will, uh, the person may very well be charged with uh, the driving over the limit charge. So far as the police concerns, that helps. That's them. interesting uh, when he talks about the, if you say that you had three beers, but you're you're over the limit. Who's to say what's going on in your, your life that day? I mean, how many times, I, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but there have been times where I've had three drinks and I've been under the table. You know, whether I was hungry or I was tired, you know, it could have been 12 hours since I'd had anything to eat. There have been times where I've been caught way off guard by how quickly I've gotten intoxicated uh, there on this too. shift now i've changed everything for me in terms of just having like a glass of like if i were to go out after work and have lunch and have a, a beer like i may have before it's much different now because you're so tired and it's different so it, it raises an interesting question and i was going to say as far as police are concerned it's just closing of the loophole i went back to the lawyer with that and he's like no man this is still an infringement of your civil rights and that you have a reasonable expectation for privacy in your own home and this cuts into that and then he was like and now it's on you to, right. to, to say no 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 I here here's my case of beer there's only two beer out of it or there's nine beer out of it that's why I blew over or there's three bottles of wine in the recycling or whatever right and you have to then he, his concern was well it's supposed to be innocent until proven guilty not guilty until proven innocent right and that's what newberger said to us joseph newberger the toronto defense lawyer said this reverse onus thing has him very bothered the other question i had loren and i don't know if you asked it but i'm going to ask you did winnipeg police did constable fontaine say about refusing to take that breathalyzer i know at roadside Failure to provide a breath sample, refusing to take it, has uh, very serious ramifications. What if I'm standing on my doorstep and I refuse to take that breathalyzer if it's requested? Still charge. You can still be charged with refusing Even to take Even though I'm it. not behind the wheel. Correct. Wow. And it's the same. And the penalties are big now. I think it's a 2000 bucks if you refuse to take that breathalyzer, and then you'd have to fight that in court. Holy smoke, $2,000? As I say that, I want to double check that. But I remember thinking the last time, wow, that's a really, I mean, that's a huge risk 
Jeez, Adam uh, texting us at 204-780-6868 saying, I'm only answering the door with a beer in my hand from now on. I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate. I think yeah. I, Adam's. I think Adam's joking in the sense of like you have to be doing. The the thing is, if they come to your door, uh, it's a difference between if you ditched your car and you walked home, uh, and you weren't drinking. Are you going to have to be thinking now? Don't have a beer because. But, but the but, point is, it's not now. It's always okay. been. Maybe we just didn't realize, right? Right. That that was the case, that that the police had the ability and the authority to ask you for that in the past. It's because this new law now and lawyers are playing the what if game and, and extrapolating and viewing the law and looking at it and going, what's the worst thing that can happen here? I think that's part of the discussion that we're having. Is that fair? Oh, no, that's totally it. And, and, and the... It depends on who you talk to. The lawyers are saying this law changes everything because the scope allows police to ask for that breathalyzer in, in all sorts of scenarios. Police, are, again, were saying, no, we, we could have done that before. The only difference is how it was challenged in court and this excuse that people were using, which was to say they were drinking when they got home. The The lawyers are always looking at the worst case scenario. So say I am that person that was swerving while I was driving because you're giving your baby the soother in the back seat, which I've done before, or mm-hmm. picking something up off the floor and someone reports you as possibly being a impaired. Then I go home, have a dinner party, which includes a couple bottles of wine in that three hour window. Odds of me potentially blowing over then become huge, even if I wasn't drinking and driving before. So there's, I mean, I don't know, it's really muddy. And we we said it yesterday, the lawyer said it yesterday, you were absolutely going to see court challenges on this one because it's so, it's so concerning. By the end of the day, the lawyers were writing to me to say that they were writing this whole essay for their legal review papers because they wanted more people within the law community to be aware or to be watching what's happening here, right? And sorry, hang on one second. I'm looking up these breathalyzer laws now. Brett, were you about to say something? Oh, I was just looking at a text message from Kelly at 204-780-6868 says, so what What have you get home and you don't answer the door? For example, I get home, have a bath with the radio on, probably not even going to hear the door. Are they going to bust the door down? This is way out of hand. I don't I don't think that's, the, I, I don't want to speak for the Winnipeg police. Like uh, Constable Fontaine, he really wanted to reach out because he was, he was worried people were going to see the most sensational version of this. And so I'm, I am right now going to give them the benefit of the doubt to say that they're not, you know, that that's not the goal of this, but, you know, overstepping police powers or using your police powers rather is an individual thing. I mean, they have their, they have how each officer understands what they believe to be the version of the law. And so you could have one officer treated a certain way and another Another way, right? You actually so, potentially in four case, in, in one case, you have four views of it. My view of it, if I'm the accused, the officer's view of what the law should look like, the Winnipeg Police Service or the overriding police service, uh, the lawyer that's defending me, and then there's actually a fifth one, and that's the judge. So a first offense but refused to be tested, mandatory minimum is a $2,000 fine. Oh, my God. 647 on 680 CJOB. You can weigh in at 204-780-6868 via text. You can email Mackling at CJOB.com, McGarry at CJOB.com, or McNabb at CJOB.com. If you can't spell McGarry, by the way, just use Brett at CJOB.com. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Braun is here, Kelly Moore, Jeff Fortier. Yesterday we had a conversation about how Jeff went skating for the first time, and how long was it, Jeff? 30 years. And good for you for doing that. So we had a chat yeah. about trying old things that are so old, they're new again. And 
After that conversation ended, Greg says, you know, I would really like to try... What did you like to try? Well, I'd like to go back and try and get my excellence medal in the Canada fitness testing. <laughs> but I always got stymied by the stupid flexed arm hang. Drove me nuts. I, the upper body strength was was not there for me. I did amazingly well at sit-ups and the standing long jump. There was a sprint. There was a, a two-point or a 1.5-mile run that you had to do in under, I think it was under 10 minutes. I think they called it the 10-minute run. Yeah. If that, So I guess that kind of adds up. <laughs> that, so. They wanted you to do that. And so, yeah, when you were talking about skating and how long you had to do it, and you guys were all talking about it, I'm thinking, oh, I was thinking about Jeff Sampson back at River Heights School in Brandon. <laughs> he could do that flexed arm hang forever. Like they had to tell him, okay, you've gone long enough. But what is it? You just pull yourself up and it's, then hang Imagine, her? Yeah, imagine a pull-up. And you pull yourself up, uh, eye level with the bar, yeah. and you've got a little bit of a range. You can go basically from the top of your head to your chin, and you could waver between that, and you had to hold yourself in that position for as long as you could. Okay. And I think you had to do it for about 30 seconds or more in order to even, you know, get in the metal hunt, and uh, Jeff Sampson could do it forever. I couldn't even do a pull-up, I think, until high school. <laughs> I just couldn't do any. I think, actually, though, go. am I wrong? I got Because I, on the other end of it, and this is going to sound like I'm bragging, I'm not, but was the flex arm hang champion of until I grade four. No, no I'm not joking. And, and until, I think it was grade three or four, and Chad Burton, delightful guy from Minnedosa, love him, but he beat me out. I think it was grade three, and he was just super wiry and strong, and that was it. So but, did you take him to the bike but, rock after school? <laughs> But I tried to remember, I think you could step on a chair. Like, I don't think, Brett, you actually had to, like, do a full pull-up. I think your teacher would even would lift put you, you up, up into to position. the bar. Oh, and yes. then you kind of had to pull yourself up. But, fun, like, you didn't. You, you, you held had, yourself You had there. to hold yourself there, yeah. which is probably why, because I couldn't do a push-up to save my, Like, at the monkey bars with the kids now, like, I do one swig and I'm on the ground. <laughs> like, I, can't, like, I can't do any of it. So, I, I, I My shoulder pops out of place. I don't even do it. <laughs> and you want to do the flex thing again? <laughs> I do. I do. I'm determined. I'm absolutely determined. Forte, is there anything from school fitness wise that you wish that you could have done better or maybe done at all? I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to think back in school. And uh, I, I know that, uh, I think it was that 10 minute run thing where you had to do as many laps as possible. I remember I did so many that uh, I remember got, I could taste blood and I was, <laughs> I was ready to pass out. I just want to see how far I could do it. You could taste blood? Yes. It That's was, it extreme. was, it was bad. What but, about you, Jeff? Um, floor hockey was my nemesis. I hated floor hockey. I hated it to the point, and I wouldn't try. And we ought to take turns being goalie. And I was like, I'm not getting hit by that little orange ball. It stings. Is that so they why come up you to shoot. It? They come up to shoot, and I just walk out of the way. He's like, go ahead and score. I don't care if we lose this game. <laughs> it was to the point where in high school, the gym teacher, because we had separate boys and girls for floor hockey anyways, they separated us. And he's like, Jeff, you go play with the girls. And he's like, as and he was trying to shame me, and I was just like, "All right." And I went and just, and it was awesome at floor hockey against the girls because they were all afraid of me because I because I was just a wild man and they couldn't shoot it hard enough for me to, for it to hurt me. So it was oh, fun. that is funny. In uh, high school, our teachers had a team in floor hockey called the Hansons, and they played and they played heavy duty against us yeah. too. There, there was no holding back. They well, were determined fun for to win. Them to, oh yeah, they so did you guys and, play with the ring? 
because we used to have a felt ring for uh, for floor hockey. Isn't that ring yet? Yeah. It's called a plastic it was orange ball. Rock hard I, I orange know, ball. and we played with that on the cul-de-sac. Felt but, ring? Well, that was this. It was yeah, but I'll tell you, man, you could zip BC that kids bruise easy. Oh, because oh, it's on the floor. <laughs> yeah. well, we, we used to have this thing on the stone floor. <laughs> it was like a triangle, and there were holes. You know, oh it, yeah, and you With used to have pegs. to take the pegs. Oh, oh, that thing was hardcore. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember this. There was this one kid. I don't remember the names of classmates, but anyway, he, biceps like you wouldn't believe. He just go up that thing. Then, uh, you know, I'd get to about the second row. And they should bring some of that back. We could use more upper arm strength. I'm glad they got rid of the weighing you in front of everybody, though. Yeah. That was a thing when and I was the little. calipers and your BMI. You just line up BMI. and you'd step on the scale. Oh, 170. Were either of you guys, Mackling and McNabb, anywhere near Portage in Maine yesterday at 4 o'clock? No. Not I, at all. I did watch it uh watch it, uh, read it unfold on social media just to see how it was going. Because having seen protests there, uh, working at 201 Portage, it crazy the impact of even just a few people closing down that intersection for five minutes can have. Um, regardless of what the reason is, the, the backlog of traffic is mind-boggling to see from the 30th floor. I bet it is. Well, hundreds in downtown Winnipeg showed their support yesterday afternoon for Indigenous pipeline resistance in B.C. On Monday, 14 people were arrested in northern British Columbia, about 620 kilometres north of Vancouver, when RCMP moved in to enforce a court injunction to break up an anti-pipeline blockade near Houston. Rallies in support of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation have been taking place throughout the week in other cities. Members of the band there have been blocking workers from a liquefied natural gas company from accessing the area. Hereditary leaders have since made a deal with RCMP to let employees in as long as they follow certain rules, but they say the resistance to the pipeline is far from over. That resistance extended into Winnipeg yesterday, and Global's Joe Scarpelli has details on what went down at Portage in Maine. It was closed for about 45 minutes, backing up traffic throughout the downtown core. Protesters started filling the busy intersection at about 4.15, the height of rush hour. The protest immediately backed up traffic down Main Street from Higgins on one side to the Norwood Bridge and Portage Avenue all the way to Memorial. They're rallying in support of Indigenous pipeline resistance in BC and the 14 people who were arrested. The organizers here tell us it's their fight too. But to drivers, the message appears to be overshadowed by the detour forced upon them. Protests and, and build support by showing off their information on the side. And you can read it when you drive by, but shutting down mainstream Forge, that's ridiculous. Not so okay with it, but I mean, they have a right, and what they're protesting, I'm totally in support of. If I would have known about this, I would have went a different way home. We asked the group why it decided to shut down the busy intersection during rush hour, and here's what we were told. It doesn't matter where we stand up. This is all of our territory. This is Treaty 1. We, we have a right to... Um, present our message anywhere we want and Portage and Maine being you know that one place of the city the center of the city you know it, it, it sends off a, a huge message. Now police say they weigh many factors when dealing with traffic disruptions including balancing the needs of commuters and uh, the right to a peaceful protest and of course uh, everybody's safety. That's Global's Joe Scarpelli. Now a couple of observations from that piece. 
the last gentleman that Joe spoke with says, had he known this was coming, he'd have taken another route. Well, they did give plenty of advance notice, which was shared by all the local news media, including us here at 680 CJOB and Global News. This wasn't a spontaneous protest like usual. Uh, and then, then the first guy that Joe spoke with, I'm in agreement with him. Why block traffic? Why not line the corners of Portage and Main instead? That way the message still gets out. They're still seen by thousands of people driving by, but no one's drive is wrecked. And that was the interesting thing with this one, because um, there was a there was a pop-up protest, I'll put that in quotes, a few years ago uh, for fracking in New Brunswick, I believe it was, and concerns over oil and, and the planet and, and climate change. And the, it, the police, there wasn't advance notice or much advance notice. And so the drivers were right up at Portage of Maine and they were trying to work traffic through. So people at least saw those signs as protesters went by. But yesterday, police did have an advance notice and I think did a good job, but they moved the traffic back a block in each direction so they could find a detour. And therefore, nobody was passing that protest to read those signs. And so if you were wondering what the detour is about or found yourself way back thinking what the heck is going on, you weren't at least, were, were you learning anything during that wait or during that confusion? Well, we've been talking for 24 hours or more about this concern about overreach of the police and these new drinking and driving laws and these new stipulations about coming to your home and realizing they're not new stipulations at all. All that to say, I always think about what if I had a message that I really wanted to get out? And I felt as though people were not paying attention, something that I felt was important. I had support, maybe not of thousands of people, but a couple of hundred people that were prepared to come out with me and get my point across. That might be exactly the place that I would go. And so that's the kind of perspective I try to put it in. I may or may not agree with what these protesters were protesting yesterday, but I think about if their rights are stomped upon, what happens a year from now, three years, 20 years from now, does is Canada the same country if we arrest people for doing the same thing I did at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night when the Jets beat the Nashville Predators to go to the Western Conference Final, and that was to gather at Portage in Maine, something that was done in the middle of the day, May 31st, 2011, when it was announced that the Jets were, the NHL was coming back to Winnipeg. Nobody had a parade permit for either of those two gatherings. We did the same thing in 1990, the last time the Blue Bombers won the Grey Cup. So we're, we're a little bit picky, it seems as though, about when this happens, even though the location is the same. But some of those that you cited were not in the smack in the middle of rush hour. These protests Understood. always happen at 4 o'clock. I get it. And the thing that frustrates me about these protests is is the takeaway for, for I, I don't want to say everyone, but for a lot of people, it's going to be, oh, you messed up my drive. Well, you know what? I don't care what you're protesting. You didn't all care you've in done, the first place. All you've done is, is made me mad. And as Loren pointed out, no one even saw them because they had to set up a detour to get around them. So they didn't, again, but their they, message might be lost. It might have been. But they, I, I think now, especially now with social media, if you were stuck in that line uh, of traffic or your bus was delayed, everybody hops on their phone to find out what's going on. And so that may now, did you hop on your phone, find what's going on, hear the words, it was Saddam and first nation and pipeline, and then go on to hit the link on what that means and what that's about and, and what the concerns may or may not be. I don't know, but it, it might start a conversation. What's super interesting to me as we head into this election year is how much pipelines and oil and all the rest are really going to play a part of that conversation. Again, though, to Greg's point, 
if you didn't care in the first place, you're not, you might not be caring now, protest or not. We start this half hour with handy transit woes. Yeah, so if you've ever found yourself stuck on hold, even for just a few minutes, you know how frustrating that can be, especially that voice message that repeats over and over or that on hold music or whatever it might be. Now imagine how how you might feel if you were repeatedly stuck on hold every single day as you waited to confirm a ride with Handy Transit, which for hundreds of Winnipeggers is their only way to get around. Welcome to the Handy Transit Contact Center. All of our staff are currently speaking with other customers. We apologize for the longer than usual wait times. We appreciate your patience as we are dual entering all trip requests into two scheduling systems in preparation for a change of the software. The increased wait times should be temporary, and we hope to be back to normal within the week. So that's a call Bruce Taves says is playing out in the ears of Winnipeggers across the city as Handy Transit switches to that new scheduling system. As he wrote in an email to CJOB yesterday, this would be a joke if it were funny. And he's not the only one expressing frustration. Several Handy Transit customers shared their struggles on social media yesterday. And the city has responded to say, look, this is temporary, but it doesn't feel that way to many of its users. And so to share more on how they're feeling and what they're going through, we're joined by Bruce Taze. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. So walk us through this. You're, you're talking an hour or more wait to get a response? Uh, yeah, it's been basically happening all week. Um, first of all, if you can even get through, um, uh, my former roommate actually had to call 72 times before he was able to get into the system. And when you finally get into the system, you are basically put on hold and you can be expecting to be to have, to have up to 90 calls ahead of you in the queue. And the calls are being handled as you just played a bit slower than normal. So you can literally be expected to wait hours on hold for a two-minute trip booking. Bruce, we had conversation last week about snow clearing efforts in the city of Winnipeg surrounding sidewalks in particular. And a lot of our listeners were were retorting back to us and saying, you know, that woman that got stuck in her mobility device, you know, maybe she should use handy transit instead. And I have a little bit of experience with my grandmother who has used the service in the past. It's very frustrating. Maybe you can give us an overview of how it works when, when it works and I'll put in quotation marks. Well, how's it supposed to work? No system is perfect. I mean, there's definite disconnect um, between clients and uh, staff. Uh, my, my wife had another bad experience this morning with a driver who didn't do his job and almost marked her as a no show, even though she was right there. Um, but the system, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. We we need it, and I'm very grateful for it, but it definitely has its problems. Um, it's not a good source for timely travel. If you, if you have a lot of deadlines to meet, it's not going to do the job for you because you're kind of operating on their schedules. And um, because of the trip priority system that's in place, you might not even get your trip if you try to book it. So it, it has its definite problems, but at the same time, I am very grateful for it. And there it needs to be said, there are a lot of staff and drivers who are very dedicated and do a wonderful job at Haines Transit as well. Now, Bruce, uh, yesterday when you emailed us and talked about how your wife's ride was more than 50 minutes late, so you're not only are you waiting forever on the line, but you're also waiting forever for the ride. 
Yes, and she just wanted to check her status. She wanted to find out when the ride was going to be there. The business she was at was closing. The people there wanted to leave. And she's sitting there being told that she has an 80-plus minute hold time just to find out if her ride is going to be there or not. You, I, I thought it was fascinating because it's something, you know, if you don't experience it, you don't know what it's like. So we can all relate to having that time left on hold or that time waiting for a ride or, or different, you know, maybe a taxi might be late or not. But when it's something you rely on daily and it's your only way to get around, that's the difference here. And you kind of had a unique suggestion you thought that might help uh, Transit Plus staff or Handy Transit staff understand think- better. I think that um, it should be not, um, mandatory that all handy transit staff from supervisors and managers on down take three weeks of leaving their cars and buses at home and using nothing but handy transit to get around as a normal client would, just to get an idea of what the system's like and what kind of experiences and uh, grievances that clients might have so that they have experiential um, anecdotes to understand what, what, what people go through. I don't know if it would take three weeks. It would probably take a couple of days, Bruce, but I think you make a, an outstanding point. There are a lot of people that make decisions around systems that have zero effect on their lives. And I'm not saying that there aren't people who make decisions on these things that have interaction with that, that, you know, don't have interaction with it, but there are plenty who never ever have anything to do with the system that they're making major decisions about. Yes. And often too, you're, 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 um, your trips are being scheduled by computers, and computers don't have a lot of compassion. But uh, again, I just want to point out that there are a lot of people at Handy Transit who are very dedicated, and um, and that needs to be that needs to be stressed. Now, Bruce, did you hear the the statement from the city or the information that the city provided? Their response. It's. Um, I understand the whole bit about the scheduling system, and and they they do say it will be better when it's done, and and I buy that. But at the same time, they should have um, they should have budgeted for this. They should have made contingencies for this. They should have known this is coming. Five hour delays, three hour delays, two hour delays. That's just not acceptable when you have a life. Bruce Taves joining us live on 680 CJOB to tell us about his experience with Handy Transit. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for reaching out to tell us about this. And thank you very much for allowing me to be on your show. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling is on his way to RBC Convention Center. He is going to chat with Mike Holmes Jr. at the home at the Winnipeg Renovations Show at 9.36. We'll hear from him on the air, and then he's got a Facebook Live from 10 until 10.30 on 680 CJOB. McNabb, you've been doing this a long time. No doubt you have said some things in error Mm -hmm. that you wish you could take back. Um take back i don't know like there's definitely things you say that are wrong or incorrect or a word will come out and you meant to say don't and you said he did or some people i've said guilty when it was not guilty uh, yeah. you know like just just a just a genuine mistake and that's the question that we're talking about this morning was it a mistake or was it intentional and this is of course about the uh, american weatherman accused of using a racial slur on TV. And and he's now speaking out because he was fired for what he says was just a slip-up, telling reporters it was a mispronunciation, 
not intentional. Les Troit has the details. A couple of shots of some cold air heading our way. A TV meteorologist is fighting for his professional life today after he says he was unfairly fired for making a flub on live TV. Jeremy Cappell says he got tongue-tied during a broadcast and uttered what sounded like an offensive racial slur. Martin Luther King Jr. Park. Viewers in Rochester, New York were stunned. They took to social media to vent their outrage. That's a shameful slip. This is awful, for real. Even the mayor weighed in and pulled no punches. It is beyond unacceptable that this occurred. There must be real consequences for the news personality involved. Capo was fired Sunday night by the station's news director. Meteorologist Jeremy Capo is no longer with News 10 NBC. I spoke with the weatherman and his wife Lisa today. Please explain to me how this came about. I simply ran his name too fast. Martin Luther King Jr. came out too fast. And as that did, I crunched two words together. And I want you to think about this. First, say his name, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., five times real fast. See if it's easy for you. And then you take the two words, King and Jr., and you bash them together. Guess what you get? Capital is getting support from some big names in TV news. Well, anyone who's done this, yeah. as long as we've done it, on air, you flub, you yeah. make mistakes. Yeah. It would seem as if the guy made a, a genuine mistake. Fellow weatherman Al Roker tweeted, I think Jeremy Kappel made an unfortunate flub and should be given the chance to apologize. Anyone who has done live TV and screwed up understands. An I stand behind Jeremy Kappel petition has gotten 33,000 signatures. Just 12 people have signed a counter petition. Do not rehire Jeremy Kappel after his racist words. The station is standing by their decision to fire Kappel. An utterance such as this with no immediate apology, regardless of intent, is unacceptable and inexcusable. We believe we have done what is right for our station and our community. Lisa, I'm just wondering what effect this is having on you, the kids, and on Jeremy. You are shook to the core um, when something like this happens to your family. It's not something that we were expecting, and um, it was devastating. What do you think? I think that uh, the the reaction is is a bit much. I could understand if he were to, to drop, say, another racial slur, like the biggest one, the N-word, because in what context could that possibly come out of your face by accident? But... In this case, you know, I, I understand the, the 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 racial connotation that's associated with that word, but it's still a fairly simple flub. And I referenced it earlier, but on this station, on I remember one day about five years ago, not one but two people used the c word, the big c word. Yeah, the and one that most people can't can't even say themselves because there's it just no one likes that word. Yeah, so it just it was a, it was a an accident it was a mistake and life went on i heard uh, some replays of those this morning and we won't play them again because it is a swear word at the end of the day but it was complete it was connected to the word and i could see the slip up i could see that just being something that would happen in the moment when you're live and i had said earlier that most meteorologists everyone i've ever known on television as a weather person does not script their stuff it's the top coming out off the top of their head and therefore the the propensity for that screw up is huge. My only other thing was, do they have a record of this guy saying anything else, even if it wasn't on air, maybe in the newsroom that was offensive and therefore 
his superiors believe it was intentional? Is that what's weighing in here? Yeah, we don't know the behind but, the scenes Because otherwise I can't see this one slip up costing him his job and potentially his career. He might have to change careers now. So there's a woman who was recently captured on camera by ESPN or ESPN, if you prefer. I do. And she was dipping her chicken fingers in her Coke. In her Coke. And it was like a, she was at the U.S. Open, uh, well, I think it was last year, at least, at least last year, the tennis, and uh, was seen like on the sidelines dipping her chicken fingers into Coke and turned into this internet meme and kind of got mocked relentlessly for it, uh, for people just making fun of her or, or or having fun with her, depending on how you yeah. look at it. And so she has released a music video about this event and uh, a warning, this is going to get stuck in your head. It's And it's appropriately awful. It's called Chicken <laughs> Soda. Minding my business at the U.S. Open when ESPN caught me. She's a terrible singer. I was dipping my chicken into my soda, and now they all think I'm a freak. Take the chicken with the right, take the soda with the left. Oh my god! Then you dip, 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 dip. So much auto tune. I know she. I know she's not trying to claim herself as a singer. Which is something. I heard I took even in Derby Storm. Everyone's dipping at cricket games. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry for introducing this to you, but you know, I guess she was just trying to say she's trying to have some fun with it. She was on the Today Show talking about it. You got to get to the end of the video, Brett, if you're really interested, because that's where she is lying in a tub full of Coke as chicken fingers fall into the tub around her. And I think she may pick up one and eat it. Yeah. You know, hey, good for her. I mean, despite the fact that she clearly lacks musical talent, you know, she lacks both rhythm watching her try to dance and she clearly can't sing, but she clearly has a good sense of humor that she can put herself out there this way because this isn't just a, like, this is an elaborate video with multiple costume changes and different scenes. Like this would have taken a long time to put together. Oh, it, 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 the, she had a team with her, and if not, there's at least two of them, you know, working really hard to make that happen. So, yeah, I guess good on her. And, well, yeah, good on her. If she can cash in on this moment, which started out likely as a very embarrassing moment for her, uh, now she uh, can have some fun with it. Hopefully she gets, at the very least, hopefully she gets a lifetime supply of Coke and chicken fingers. What was so bad about it? Like, all your chicken finger dip or your condiments are basically pure sugar and ketchup. Yeah. And Coke is just pure sugar for the most part. So it's not like stretch. Yeah, maybe she just wanted to moisten them somehow. My my uh, my girlfriend's cat always pulls food out of her dish and then dumps it in the water bowl. And then eats it? Yeah. So it's the strangest thing I've ever seen from a cat. You need to moisten up that cat food. Yeah. Drop some know. tuna in there or something. Uh, no, it's a special diet or something. Coke? Maybe we'll try some Coke. Unless it's a diabetic cat. Also, just want to tell a quick story here relating to our previous conversation about the woman who dipped her chicken fingers in Coke at the U.S. Open and was made fun of, and then she just released this horrible music video called Chicken Soda. I was in Houston 
for WrestleMania X7. Of course, yeah. 2001, I believe, was the year. And I was at a restaurant called Shoney's at about 2.30 in the morning. I ordered a bacon double cheeseburger, greasiest burger I've ever had, maybe the best burger I've ever had. <laughs> and for my fries, well, I, I just asked the server, could I get a side of gravy? And this, uh, this man from Houston says, what you mean, like brown gravy? And I said, yeah. If you don't mind my asking, what you going to use that there brown gravy for? I'm not embellishing. That's exactly what he said. It just it was seared into my mind immediately. And I said, for my fries, dude. And his eyes lit up and he said, I think I just might have to try that sometime. <laughs> so maybe I started a revolution. I'm down looking in at Texas. their menu right now, though. I don't. Need, I'm trying to find gravy on it. I was curious about their Shoney's. Yeah, it was good, man. It was good. They I also bet. had a, they had a breakfast buffet out as well. So I had a really difficult decision to make. A hard life choice. Do I go with the breakfast buffet mm, at two thirty in the morning? That's always a good choice. Or the uh, the bacon double cheeseburger. I could actually feel my arteries congealing while I was eating the burger. That's how you know it's good. Greg Mackling joins us now live from the RBC Convention Center. Who are you standing with, Greg? I am with Mike Holmes Jr. And we were just talking about what we like with our French fries. And I like uh, gravy. Mike, uh, what, what, what goes on the side with fries for you? I mean, can't we have the best of both worlds? Can we do gravy and a little side of mayo? Mm-hmm. I'll ask Brett and Loren. Can we do that? Yeah, yes. You absolutely can, Greg. Can we do that, guys? Yeah. If you okay, mix, we got you thumbs can, up. You can mix them together. You can mix them together. I used to do that uh, occasionally, and my friends would dubbed it uh, grayonnaise. Mm. Uh, it actually would looked as gross as it sounds, so I don't <laughs> recommend doing that. Just keep them separate. We're going to keep them separate. Uh, Mike Holmes is separate from his dad, Mike Holmes Jr. MJ, I'd never heard that before until I was doing a little research yesterday. Yeah. I'm actually, it's funny, I'm trying to get people away from the MJ. I don't know why, it's like this abbreviation, I just don't love it. So I'm like, I try and go by Michael or Mike Holmes Jr. I would go with Mike Holmes Jr. I, it's really great to meet you face-to-face. We had you on the program early this year, launched the program with your dad. And uh, as I look around the Winnipeg Convention Center, doors open here for the Winnipeg Renovation Show at noon today, by the way. It's here all weekend. You're here tonight at 7, uh, Mike. Uh, this whole idea of working with your dad. I asked you a little bit about it last time we spoke, but now dad's not around. Yeah. How is it? You know, I mean, you've been doing it since you were 14, right? Yeah, good research. Wow. Um, yeah, I've been doing it since I'm 14, and it's it's uh, it's got its ups and downs. I, I obviously I love the guy. We're very close, but uh, you know, working with family, sometimes that work comes home with you, and then you're at the dinner table, and we're like having a family dinner, and you're like, well, I don't agree with you on this point. I, we butt heads a lot. We're very similar, but we're also very different. So it's uh, it makes for I guess an interesting TV show. Well, there's no question about it. I love the show, and I love these home renovation shows. And I wanted to ask you, what is it about Canada? We're produced, you know, but not only you and your dad, but we've got Brian Baumler and then Scott McGilvery, who have these incredible shows, all from your neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, what do we know that the, the rest of North America doesn't know? You know, we've even got the Property Brothers. I believe they're from, they do some work in uh, Toronto as well. And I... I don't know what it is. It's that Canadian charm, I guess. I think you might be right. So I'm looking around. The show opens in just over three hours' time. And as is typical on any sort of construction site, they are taking every last (laughs) second. You do the same? Yeah. You know what? Sometimes you can't anticipate what's going to happen on a construction site. And much like a home show, you're trying to get everything done in time. And sometimes you just need a little bit more time, which you don't have. 
We're going to have more time after 10 o'clock. We're going to sit down for about half an hour, do a Facebook Live. Shoot me an email if you've got a question for Mike Jr. Mackling at cgob.com, gmac at cgob.com, whichever you prefer. And uh, just tell folks a little bit about what they might expect. They come down and see your conversation tonight. All right, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to get people to know me a little bit better. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about myself, but then I'm gonna talk about uh, hiring a contractor, how to hire a good contractor, the things you should look for when doing a renovation, prioritizing your renovation, materials you should be using, and sustainable building. So, really, renovations are intimidating. New builds are intimidating. So I want to try and help take that intimidation away and walk people through what they should be doing and looking for in a renovation. Has the technology um, comes a little bit too far you know the whole smart home is it a little bit overwhelming for some people or is it easier than we think i think there's a little bit of both in there uh, i know my dad gets very overwhelmed with the smart homes and i have a bit of an easier time but even me i, I find my nephew has a better time probably navigating technology now and i'm like does that mean i'm getting old i don't know what that means but uh you know, technology is great. It makes things a lot more accessible and efficient, I like to put it. And f efficiency in is, big is a big deal in this part of the world, right? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to find, like you, like you said here, I mean, every minute, every last minute counts. So if you can save a minute here or there, that, that makes a big difference. And energy, our carbon footprint, obviously a, a huge conversation uh, nationally, internationally. But home building has come a long way on that front. I mean, we used to just essentially pour money out our front windows, right? Yeah, you know, that's something uh, I'm very passionate about is our carbon footprint. And I think we've come a long way, but we have a very long way to go. And we have the technology and the materials and the knowledge. It's accessible to us, but we have to kind of rethink about how we build homes and how we look at building a home. We need to think about longevity, building for a lifetime, building sustainably and for the next life as well. I know that when I've done renovation, that means understanding how it was built in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes they were just winging it, <laughs> right? You've done enough of these things to know that uh, you open up a wall. No, this isn't exactly the way it was supposed to be done. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm going to talk a bit about that during my presentation as well. And it's the whole uh, fact that I, I don't think we value the skilled trades enough in North America. We kind of look at it as, you know, a place where if you don't finish high school, you can get into the skilled trades. Or, you know, it's kind of that fallback where it's actually, it's an incredible profession filled of filled with artists, really. I, I like to look at it. And it really can determine where where the future of our country goes because and, and the world because our population is skyrocketing. And if we don't get it in control now, we're going to have a serious problem in the future. All right. We'll extend the conversation on Facebook Live. Brett Loren down at the Winnipeg Convention Center. The Winnipeg Renovation Show goes all weekend. Opens at 12 o'clock today. Greg Mackling, thank you very much, sir. Have fun with Mr. Holmes Jr. And again, Facebook Live from 10 until 10.30 at the Winnipeg Renovation Show, home uh, RBC Convention Center. Uh, text message from Trish here on the subject of food. This sounds interesting. I used to get onion ring poutine at Murdoch McKay for lunch. That's oh. a high school in Transcona on Redonda, right next to where I went to high school, Collège Pierre-Elia Trudeau. That's interesting because, like, how often... You can get poutine with the crispy onions on it, right? So it's just kind of reversing a little bit of a reverse. I guess there's no potato there. But, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I would try that. She says, I have had many people try it lately. Deacon's Corner A&W makes it now no hassle when I order. So there you go. You can try that at A&W. I, I used to eat so many fries and gravy 
and my high school cafeteria. Do they still serve that kind of stuff in schools anymore? Oh, I don't know. That's, a, just like that's a, a great question. Yeah. No. And the vending machines are now just filled with like apples and oranges. Oh, God. I'm making that part up. I don't really know. But there was that big push to get soda out of schools and chips out of schools and just offer healthy snacks. Is there an argument to be made that there's anything healthy in gravy? I don't think so. Because um, it's chicken fat or beef fat if it's homemade and flour. It's healthy for your soul. Good. Very good. Yeah. Mentally, if you're in that place, just need a break. You're right. Comfort food. It is. That's excellent. I'm going to tell myself this is not good for my waistline, but my brain, my mind, my heart, and my soul really need this gravy right now. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.